Welcome back for another episode of the Big Red Louie podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Lane, riding solo on this Tuesday afternoon in what is now week two of, really closer to week three of Life With No Sports as we deal with uh, the fallout and the rapid spread of COVID-19 throughout the country and the effects that it's had on our everyday life, most uh, notably for this show, obviously not in the grand scheme of things, but for this show, not having sports. Uh, and as I said before, I'm riding solo today and will continue to ride solo, or at least without my co-host Presley Meyer for the next couple of months. Uh, nothing wrong with Presley. Nothing going on. He hasn't left the site or anything. If you can continue to find his work on BigRedLouie.com, he's actually written several great articles over the last few days uh, as we really start to kind of see what recruiting is going to look like in this new college basketball landscape. Uh, but Presley is uh, somebody who's been affected by COVID-19 and by its um, disruption to the everyday life, including the shutting down of restaurants. Um, and because of that and just some other things that he has going on, he's going to step away for a little while. And I'm going to run the show solo. I'm going to have plenty of guests along the way. Um, most notably, Alex Stengel will continue to join me, as he has for the last several weeks and months of the show. And we're just going to continue to talk about Louisville sports the best way we can. It's It's not always going to be uh, pretty. It's not always going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of time this summer where there's just not a lot going on, but we're going to do our best uh, to bring you something that can can give you a little bit of normalcy in your life, uh, something not any of us really have right now. And there's a lot of recruiting going on for Louisville basketball and football. It looks a little bit different than it, than it normally does. So we're going to look at that um, really in depth this summer uh, and this spring as we look at what Louisville basketball's roster will look like heading into 2020-21. And then for Louisville football, obviously, we know that their roster is set for the 2020 season. Uh, their staff now is in the midst of trying to put together another big class for 2021 after coming off that massive haul of 2020. Um, so we're going to talk about that a lot. We're going to talk about baseball. We're going to talk about the impact uh, that that getting seniors back next season will have for Dan McDonald and his team, a team that really looked primed to make a run at the, the College World Series. And we're going to talk about a bunch of other things that aren't sports related. We're going to try to to bring you guys how we're dealing with this as um, everyday people, too. So we're going to talk about that the best that we can without crossing any line of politics or health or extending our, our area of expertise into something that... I'll be quite frank with you, it's not. So we're going to stick to what we know, which is sports. We're going to talk about Louisville. We're going to talk about you know what the future looks like, as I said, as we try to just get some sort of normalcy. Uh, and it's not as if what is happening in the country has fallen on deaf ears here. Uh, in fact, it's quite the contrary. We're we're gonna we're gonna take into if, uh, you know consideration everything that's going on, how everybody is impacted the best that we can, because there are a lot of people right now, quite frankly, that sports does not matter to. Uh, there are a lot bigger things going on in life, and sports simply doesn't matter. But uh, we hear that, we understand that, and we're going to continue to operate in that. And and I know that our thoughts and prayers are with everybody who has been affected by this um, by this pandemic. And um, you know, like I said, sports is the last thing that matters right now. Um, but it's also a distraction away from of what's happening. So let's let's dive in. Let's start talking with about recruiting. We're going to do a short show today since it's just me, um, and there's not a whole whole lot going on. But let's start with basketball recruiting. The season wrapped up three weeks ago, obviously in a very unexpected way with the ACC tournament and other conference tournaments or all conference tournaments being canceled and then obviously the cancellation of the NCAA tournament. It's just kind of like the door closed on something that was in progress. I mean, obviously that's a really simple explanation of what it is, but there's it, just like that, it's done. The seniors are gone. Uh, there's no send-off. There's no closing the door on what it looked like, their, what their season or postseason could be. They're just gone. Um, and since then, 
Darius Perry, a junior guard, has left the program. Uh, we obviously know that Jay Scrub has announced that he'll enter the 2020 NBA draft. So there's a lot of roster uncertainty as we head into 2020-21. And on that note, though, there is a lot to be excited about. The roster of seven returnees, or the seven that we expect to return, headlined by Malik Williams, David Johnson, and Sammy Williamson, um, as well as, as kind of some of those guys that made up the Super Six and Jalen Withers, Aiden Nagehan, Josh Nickelberry, and Quinn Zlazinski, who didn't have an impact last season. Uh, there's a lot to be excited about with them. They're going to take some big steps forward, assuming that there is any sort of offseason uh, with coaches and uh, with the training that they need. Obviously, these guys are working out at home because they're athletes and that's what they do, but their development is going to depend upon what the summer looks like for the basketball team and what the NCAA and what the, the country says is safe for them to do. But we're gonna we're gonna operate as if they're gonna have a regular season and their offseason isn't shut, cut short in any way. And, and so with that assumption, they're gonna take some big steps forward. Um, but Chris Max still has three spots that he has to fill to get to that that roster max of thirteen. He obviously doesn't have to get to that, but I would expect that he would, especially considering that the NCAA uh, notice of allegations is still lingering out there. There's likely gonna be some scholarship scholarship caps over the next few years. So making sure that his roster is stacked now and long term is a priority. So we've seen a ton of activity in the transfer portal. Uh, I think the number as of today stands somewhere in the the 800s. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy uh, how the the floodgates opened and then opened very quickly. They're at 591, so I'm a little bit high on that number. But still, nonetheless, there's been a ton of big names into the portal like we expected there to be. And the fun thing is about the transfer portal is most of the time heading into the offseason, you don't know some of the names that are going to develop and become stars Um of, of like or, or guys that big programs like Duke, Kentucky, Louisville, Arizona, Kansas that these these guys want they really do come out of nowhere in most scenarios, uh, and that's been the case this summer as we've seen guys like Justin Turner from Bowling Green and Jordan Bruner from Yale and uh, Carlick Jones from from Radford and earlier there was EJ Anasicki from um, from Stony Brook or Sacred Heart I mean, just guys that none of us had have ever really heard of except for the college basketball diehards, but all of a sudden they go from being unknowns to hot commodities, and that's exactly what we're seeing is uh, Chris Mack has gotten involved with a ton of players, um, trying to rattle off all the names off the top of my head. There's Landers Nolly of Virginia Tech. There's Jordan Bruner of Yale. Uh, there, is, there was EJ Anasicki, as I mentioned, Justin Turner of Bowling Green, Carlick Jones of Radford, and then you've got um, Ryan Betley of, of uh, Penn, Tyrese Martin from Rhode Island. Uh, you had Kevin Marfo from Quinnipiac early on, the nation's leading rebounder. So Chris Mack has been active in getting involved with players uh, who are transferring with one or more years of eligibility left. And I think that that's a good move. You know, I, I've seen a lot of of kickback from fans on social media about why would the, they continue to, to go after these graduate transfers instead of, of focusing on four-year kids who are high school recruits. And, and I couldn't uh, disagree more. I think that the more that you can add experience um, and guys who are coming in with a chip on their shoulder to prove that they belong after coming from the mid-major level or the low the low major level up to play for a program like Louisville, I think that you can't put a, a ton of value on that. And while or you can put a lot of value in that, and while a lot of the times these guys – they go from you know being 15, 16 point per game scores to playing you know at say Stony Brook to playing for Arizona and they become eight, seven, nine point scores and fans say, well, that's not you know that's not the star that we wanted and that, that's right. There's not a ton of stars in the transfer portal. It's not very often that you find a star 
to come in like Damian Lee and Trey Lewis did back in 2015-16 for Louisville. But it's out there, and these players are proven basketball players. They've a lot of them have won at a very high level at their school. They've they've done well individually, statistically. They've excelled, and they've you know they've gone from guys who were in most cases under recruited to guys who are now being expected to be the face of a program. And if you can add a guy like that in uh, in addition to what you already have coming back, like I said before, with you have seven players, one senior. Um, and then a junior and Jay Scrub, assuming that he ends up on campus, which we'll talk about that in a second. Um, and then a bunch of sophomores, you need to fill those pieces. And especially when they're talented sophomores who can compete really, 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 really well at the high level, like against the Dukes and the North Carolinas of the world. When we saw what David Johnson did last year, if you can complement those pieces with some graduate transfers, uh, who can come in and can they don't they don't need a year to learn how to play defense or adjust to the speed of the game they can give you what they have right now I think that you take that and I think that that's what Chris Mack is trying to do so far it's not really looking like it's working out a ton right I mean you've we've seen EJ Anasicki commit elsewhere there was talk maybe he was not being recruited I don't I'm not a recruiting uh, reporter, so I don't know if if he was or if he wasn't um, Jordan Bruner was a guy that announced that Louisville was in his finalist group. Um, and now he has since eliminated Louisville. Other guys have just kind of narrowed their list. Kevin Marfo obviously ended up at Texas A&M instead of coming to Louisville, which, again, it's about fit and it's about role with these grad transfers, and Louisville doesn't necessarily have a ton of places to offer stardom, but it still sucks to watch these guys go elsewhere. But I think that as a, as a fan of the team and then as, as somebody who writes and covers the team loosely, as I look around the country and the players that Chris Mack has targeted – you know, I think, yeah, there's been some good fits. I think Kevin Marfa would have been a nice fit. Uh, I think Jordan Bruner would have been a great fit playing in that role occupied by Jordan Warren and Dwayne Sutton last year as the four. But, again, it, it's about making sure that those, those guys are looking for the right role, and in their mind they didn't see it. And when you have a bunch of talent like Chris Mack does have coming back, it, it's going to be hard to sell upperclassmen on taking a diminished role when they really want the star role. They really want to move into a prominent role. But I think that the guy that makes the most sense for Louisville is Justin Turner of Bowling Green. Um, He's a guy who was under-recruited, just like most of these players are coming out of high school. He ended up settling for Bowling Green um, and right away, you know, really kind of achieved success and quickly developed into an all-MAC player, um, got Bowling Green into a place to compete in the conference that they hadn't been in a while, including, I believe, taking them to their first winning record in like five or six years. He's a really good scorer. Um, he's big. Got, he's got really good size. Um, and he's a, he's a winner, which I think most importantly, uh, that's what Chris Mack is looking for as he tries to build that roster around the, the young guys is trying to find guys who are proven winners who don't have to be taught how to work hard don't have to be taught how to be a college basketball player but um, playing for Bowling Green he, he as a sophomore averaged 15 points per game as a junior averaged to 18 uh, can stayed at that 18 mark but improved some of his other uh, s- statistics including rebounding assists things like that I mean Justin Turner is a guy who proved each year that that he was a really good player into the fact that he declared after his junior season um, and went through the draft process, and, you know, and ultimately decided to return back to Bowling Green for a final season. And instead of going the pro route again this year, he's going to, he's going to look at other programs to take a step up similar to what Damian Lee did. I mean, Damian Lee is a guy who was, you know, playing for Drexel, which they're never a, a competitive team outside of maybe once every 10 years or so. But he, he played for a bad team, but it was a guy that proved that he could be 
the guy, no matter what team he was on. And I see some of those same characteristics in Justin Turner as I watched him. Um, and when I look at his fit with Louisville, I think that the, the one spot above all else where Louisville needs the most help is at that two-guard position playing next to um, David Johnson. I think you need a guy who can score because right now you don't know where your points are going to come from. You're replacing Jordan Wara, who was an 18-point-per-game scorer. You're replacing Fresh Kimball, who was right under 10. You're replacing um, Darius Perry, who was in that 7-8 range. Dwayne Sutton, nearly 10 points per game. Ryan McMahon, nearly 10 points per game. Stephen Enoch, a little over that. So you're replacing a lot of scoring. And... Right now, you you expect Samuel Williamson to be able to step in and take some of that. And obviously, if Jay Scrub ends up at Louisville, you expect him to take that on. But if not, either way, Justin Turner is a guy who can play with those guys or can play you know without Scrub and next to Williamson at the two. Like I said, he's a big guard. He's he's got great size at six foot four, six foot five. Um, he's a good shooter. He shot the ball you know fairly consistently throughout his career. Was a um, was a career forty four percent free throw field goal shooter and then 38 from behind the three-point line and as a as a junior and sophomore shot nearly 38 percent so I mean you, you can't ask for a whole lot more in a guy who statistically is all there he's elevated his program uh, and he's proven that he can play at the level that you want him to and I think that that's what Louisville needs desperately is somebody like that so what else though I mean Louisville clearly needs another big um I think that they're going to have to reassess their situation after seeing AJ, EJ Anasicki and now Jordan Bruner eliminate Louisville. And again, put the Anasicki one however you want to take it. But they got to find another big guy because they've got Malik Williams and they've got Aiden Agahan. Uh, and then obviously they've got Quinn Slazinski and Jalen Withers. But that's three unproven guys uh, backing up and playing around a guy who has struggled with feet injuries. And that's never good for a big guy. Um, so they need to find a big man who can go along with that. Uh, they need to find... You know, another guard, I would say, who's more of a shooter than they are anything else. Uh, and then they need to probably find some wing help. So there's still a lot to be done. Uh, I like Carlick Jones. He's an undersized guard, but, you know, he was the, the Big South player of the year. The Big South has been good to Louisville, obviously, giving them Dwayne Sutton. I think he's a good fit. Smaller guard, but I still think he's a good fit next to David Johnson because of his ability to score. But I think Justin Turner is the guy. Uh, and with Louisville being in his final group, I think that they've got a really good chance because they can show him the Damian Lee plan. Now, I know Chris Mack wasn't the head coach when that happened, but the Damian Lee plan says, hey, you come from a really good school where you proved that you could be the top there. We have an ability to make you better, and we'll do it on the stage that is the ACC. For Turner, Arkansas, Iowa State, Xavier, Georgia, I don't think those programs can offer that much. That's why I think Louisville's a great fit. So let's talk about Jay Scrub for a second. Jay Scrub declares for the draft. A lot of fans online freaking out, wondering why. We knew that was coming. Jay Scrub has said all year long he was going to test the NBA draft waters. Chris Mack has been in support of that. I think that we need to take a step back and just, you know, I know that there's a lot going on, but we need to evaluate uh, why Jay Scrub would go pro. He's a hot player on the on the, the NBA draft mock boards and big boards, and he's a guy that a lot of fan, a lot of people, not fans, but media have intrigue in and they want to see more. Because he's an unknown. If you think about what he's accomplished at the junior college level, he was the, the you know he was named to an All American as a freshman, which is something that normally doesn't happen a whole lot. Was invited out to to participate and to try out for Team USA's under nineteen team. Obviously, he didn't make it, but still, being a JUCO player and not a Power Five recruit or a Power Five freshman, that's a big deal. Jay Scribe was an elite scorer. He was a walking highlight reel his entire career. Um, at John A. Logan College, and even though he was under-recruited coming out of high school, 
he's shown that he is a legit NBA talent. Now, the argument is, does he need a year of college? I don't know. I don't know. I've not seen him play. You can question how much the, the JUCO level's talent is able to really provide you an accurate assumption of what he can do. But at the same time, uh, I think that there's going to need to be some, you know, not having the workouts is going to hurt him because he needs people to see him and, and, and learn more about him. He's one of those guys that's going to come in with intrigue and it will rise based off of, you know, how much he's kind of able to answer some of the questions that people have, or as more people learn who he is. But, uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm torn on whether or not I expect him to be at Louisville. I think that his stock is never going to be higher than it is this year. Uh, but unfortunately for him and unfortunately the time that we're in as a country and, and for sports in the sports landscape, he's going to miss out on a lot of opportunities that he would normally have at combines, workouts. Uh, instead, he's going to have to impress people virtually, which you, you never know which way that can go. Um, I, as of now, if I had to put an odds on it, I'd say it's 50, 50. I really do. I think that, um, the interviews that he did last week with his dad were kind of telling. And they said that we not, not, they, they said that, you know, they didn't necessarily confirm that they want him to be a first rounder. What, what his dad said, as he told Mark Ennis was, we want a team to fall in love with Jay. We want a team that really wants him. Uh, and that can happen in the blink of an eye. You have players who get drafted all the time because one team liked them. Perfect example last season in the 2019 NBA draft was Darius Baisley. He was a former five-star recruit uh, for Syracuse. Ended up deciding that he was going to go play in the G League. That never formulized or that never came about. He ended up doing a year as an intern at New Balance, where he I think he ended up signing a deal with New Balance. But like this guy hadn't played basketball since he was a senior in high school and still got drafted early because of the potential that he had. And that's where Jay is, and and I think that Jay Scrub could find himself with one team. It just takes one team that likes him, that that convinces him it's time to stay in. But I could also see it going the other way, where teams tell him, "Man, look, we really like you, but we need to see you against ACC competition and not JUCO players." Uh, and I think that that's what we're gonna obviously kind of find out over the next couple of months. The last thing I want to talk about today, uh, basketball related, is the uh, you don't even want to call it an interview because it was all over Skype or, or virtual. Uh, video chat, but Ryan McMahon uh, met with the Louisville media, I think it was yesterday, and talked about what the last two weeks have been like for him. And to be honest with you, I mean, I know we've heard something about, you know, we've heard about from NBA players and we've heard about that, but, you know, the NCAA tournament was canceled, right? No postseason yet that I know of has been canceled. Uh, the NBA is still continuing to look at how they're going to be able to play basketball this year. I would imagine the Major League Baseball is going to do the same. I don't know about hockey. I don't know about soccer. I don't know about golf. I don't know about tennis. I don't know what any other sports are going to do. But I know that the NCAA was the only sporting league that had their postseason canceled. Um, and just like that, before I said earlier, it's just over. It's done. There's no explanation, and it's not like you know something preventable cause this this is a freak event that just just so happened to to pop itself up in a really bad time for the NCAA tournament but listen to Ryan McMahon talk you just can't help but not feel bad for him and his entire team and everyone in college sports who had that moment taken away this college basketball maybe even more so than the NFL and the NBA is all about the postseason like most fans around the country don't tune in until the very end um and I to have it canceled, it's really hard to put into words how that feels and what that's like. But Ryan tried to do his, you know, Ryan did his best to describe it. And I just thought it was so interesting saying that him and his team haven't seen each other. They haven't been around each other since the day they got back in Louisville from Greensboro after the tournament was canceled. 
Um, I, t- to me, that just really stood out. But for Ryan, you know, he talked about how he's he's going to sign an agent here soon, and he's going to continue to look into his professional career. But the thing that it just the timing that's un- so unfortunate, and that this the impacts that this is going to have not only just now for years to come. Um, he talked about how he doesn't even know when European teams and teams overseas are going to start to look at filling their rosters because nobody knows when they're going to be able to play sports again. And who knows if when they do start looking at, at, at talent and adding players, who knows if, you know, that will have been uh, too long for Ryan McMahon to where he can't, you know, where he has des- decides I got to do something with my life, make a decision. Uh, and maybe decides to go into the, the corporate world and start his career. So just listening to that interview really kind of put into perspective for me, you know, obviously I've got my own issues at home and dealing with this, with my family, with my job, same with everyone listening, but to hear an athlete's perspective who had everything taken away and what was his final run. I mean, this dude didn't get five years of going to the NCAA tournament, going to the elite eight every year. This guy's three years of not playing in the NCAA tournament as a freshman, obviously dealing with the tournament ban, sophomore year, not making it into the NCAA tournament um, with David Padgett as the coach and going through Rick Patino getting fired. I mean, just so many different things. Um, with Ryan McMahon's career that were just so interesting. And to have it all taken away like that is it, it's just not so unfortunate. Um, I hate to end the show on a sad note, but that's all we've got for today. Appreciate you guys hanging in there with us. I know we've not been consistent with posting podcasts over the last month or so um, with everything that's going on. It's just been kind of hard, but I think we've finally gotten a groove and a rhythm here. We're going to be able to get this thing going again. And we're not trying to to downplay, like I said before, we're not trying to downplay the seriousness of what's going on. Obviously, we all know how serious it is. Uh, But what we are trying to do is bring back a bit of normalcy to your lives and uh, helping everyone to just kind of get through this. Uh, So I hope you guys have a great day. We'll catch you soon.